0: Your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's better than this? Guys being dudes.
1: Better than this, guys. Being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast, and it's a solo guy today. I am Kyle Krebs, founder, and director of ND scouting, NFL and NFL draft analyst for Fan RAG Sports. Uh, we gave Joe the day off today. You know the poor guy; he's been hitting the road hard now that football season's here. Uh, four-hour scouting trip to Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, to see the showdown between Indiana and Virginia on Saturday. So here I am. Uh, sit alone in the studio, uh, giving you guys my personal recap and takes of the weekend of football that was, and I say football, because we are going to be recapping primarily week two of the college football season, but before we do, I think we need to give a little bit of love to some of my dudes from the past NFL draft classes. Uh, that have had excellent showings to start the 2017 NFL season. Uh, I'm recording this Sunday afternoon. Had a chance to watch some of the 1 o'clock games. A lot of strong showings from young guys. Somebody like Yannick Ngakwe, two strip sacks as the Jacksonville Jaguars stunned the world and played excellent defense, uh, sacking Houston Texans quarterbacks, I think it was nine times. I know it was six in the first half, so... Uh, Yannick had two strip sacks, one of which was, was returned for a fumble. Uh, was great to see Yannick build off of an eight-sack rookie season in which he set the franchise record for most sacks as a rookie. Two strip sacks week one. Yannick, good week underneath his belt. Uh, how about Cam Robinson? Offensive tackle staying in the same game. Another Jacksonville Jaguar. Cam Robinson, my goodness, <laughs> playing left tackle, mind you. Not the offensive guard that some people suggested that he may be in the long run, but looking very good at left tackle on his way to wiping out uh, Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt for portions of that football game looking very good, helping to set the tone. Hat tip Cam Robinson. You know, it's good for the hashtag brand. Get these guys performing well. Corey Davis, the AFC South. Seems like they've got all my guys uh, six for, I believe it was like 67 yards, including his first catch, was just a tr- terrific illustration of what you're going to get from Corey Davis uh, throughout his professional career. Vertical route, he stacks the defender. He's got to go up and take the ball off the top of a, a defender's helmet and does so successfully pulling that ball down uh, and making a play. And uh, I would be remiss if I had a show talking about my dudes and I did not talk about Mr. T.J. Watt, formerly of Wisconsin, now with the Pittsburgh Football Steelers. T.J., two sacks and an interception in his rookie debut. Uh, Just a terrific effort, motor, pursuit, urgency, football intelligence. It was all there, guys. All you had to do was turn on the tape. (sighs) Man, I'll tell you what, that bourbon's strong today. (laughs) That's, tea sipping aside, let's talk about college football. Because that's not the first time or the last time you'll hear me sip tea. And it's not the last time you'll hear me sip tea, or in this case, bourbon. No, That's neither here nor there, on today's show. Because we have to talk about this Oklahoma and Ohio State game. Now... If you listen to Draft Dudes on Friday, you heard me say I simply just wasn't buying the Ohio State offense. They had a fast, physical front seven with a lot of gifted players. But all they had on offense that I was really excited about was a freshman running back. And I said that uh, Oklahoma was going to come in, give them a strong performance, and I would ultimately side with Baker Mayfield to win this game with his arm in comparison to JT Barron. Well, guess what? Oklahoma seven getting 7.5 on the road at the horseshoe. <sighs> Sooners get it done. And the Sooners played great. I thought Oklahoma had an outstanding showing in this game. Uh... What really stood out, Baker Mayfield rising to the occasion. Uh, 31-16 final score. Uh, Man, Baker, like I said it on Friday, and I found myself saying it again on, on Saturday night, Sunday morning when I woke up after the game. Every time I watch Baker, I come away feeling a little bit better about Baker as a potential pro prospect. This is somebody I could legitimately see rising up into early day two conversation, I, I think just because Baker's stature and his style of play is a little wild, I don't think you're going to see a first round buzz on Baker Mayfield. I don't think you'll ever get that. Think your textbooks are too expensive? So do we. Meet Cengage Unlimited, access to all your Sengage courses on platforms like MindTap and WebAssign, eBooks, and a free print rental.
0: Subscribe for just one nineteen ninety nine per semester. Visit nolimitstolearn.com.
1: But there's starting upside here. There's an ability to keep the offense on schedule. Some of his freelance throws were, were just outstanding. Now his, his composure and field vision when he's on the move and he's forced off his spot was really what won this game for Oklahoma. And Oklahoma did this without Mark Andrews for a vast majority of the game. Had a knee injury that kept him off the field. And I think what you saw in this game was losing Andrews, you know, they schemed a couple looks at him early on, Uh, losing Andrews early, I think kind of shell-shocked their offensive game plan, so Oklahoma continues to move the ball, move the ball, move the ball, but they get to crunch time in the first half, and they just can't finish drives, you know, they're not putting the the ball in the end zone, they're not finishing, then they come out after halftime, and, you know, the haymakers start throwing where Ohio state gets a big, big drive for a touchdown. Then Oklahoma answers right away. Then Ohio state gets a field goal and Oklahoma comes down and gets another touchdown. Um, I thought the best players in this game were Baker Mayfield, a Banya Okoronwu and Nick Bosa. I know John Ledyard, national scout for NET scouting. He does a lot of great work with, with fan rag sports as well. Uh, he did the game report for us at NDT for this game, and those were the same three players that stood out to him that he felt were the best performers in this football game. Okoronwu was just terrific. You know, we talked about somebody like uh, Yannick Ngakwe at the top of the show, where Ngakwe rushes with urgency and he, he corners well, and uh, but he, he he was hurt throughout the draft process because he wasn't big, he wasn't long, he didn't have that prototypical length I could see a similar projection being found for Okaranhu, I think that's an interesting thing for us to kind of put a star at and and come back to Uh, he was good I I still think Nick Bosa was the best football player on the field Um, (laughs) they tried to block him I believe it was either the, the center or the right guard on a fold protection slide, where they they slid and then kicked the guard or, or center out to try and block Bosa down inside the ten yard line, and it was just a a losing formula from the start. His reactive quickness to realize I'm not getting blocked, I got to step down, sees the, the lineman pulling across to try and pick him off, converting speed to power, walking him backwards into Baker Mayfield, finishing the sack. Uh, that play really stood out to me. I thought that was just a, just an excellent showcase of his abilities. And, uh, you know, it's a darn shame we're not going to get him in 2018. But it is a treat to know that we're going to have a chance to see him, Nick Bosa, defensive end Ohio State, for at least another year. Um, for my picks for NDT scouting, I pick four games against the spread every week. I was 2-2 two and two week one. Not great. Didn't embarrass myself. Cool. Week two, I picked Oklahoma, getting seven and a half, picked them outright. And I also picked Georgia on the road at South Bend against Notre Dame, getting five and a half, and I picked them outright. And I'll be darned if Georgia didn't go out and make me look like I know what the hell I'm talking about uh, with a 20-19 to victory, which was uh, finished off with a great rush from linebacker Davin Bellamy, who simply outclassed uh, offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey down the stretch in this football game. I thought Georgia's back seven, uh, their, their second level on, on, of linebackers, rush linebackers, off-ball linebackers, uh, they won them this football game. I know. Both Bellamy and their other linebacker as a, as a rush defender, uh, I believe it's Lorenzo Carter, uh, both of those guys, were consistently in the backfield. Now, this was one of those cases where I had two games up side-by-side. Side. I'm primarily watching Oklahoma-Ohio State. I do have Georgia-Notre Dame on, and I'm flipping back and forth. And our National Scout, Ben Solak, did the game report for this game, and he really liked what he saw from Bellamy. And it was kind of what I saw. Every time I looked up, uh, he was softening the edge. He was winning with speed. Uh using some technique and hand, hand development skills to, to win and, and get hands off uh, as a pass rusher. And it, that, that showing really kind of you know, threw Notre Dame off down the stretch. Um, so it was good to see that from Bellamy. You know, I've heard good things about this Georgia defense and seeing them showcase themselves against it was such a talented offensive line where, I mean, they really made, made Mike McGlinchey look bad. You know, his, hand, his hands and feet were not in sync. He was getting pressured, immediately releasing out of his stance. Uh, and he really struggled. He, he, this game was lost several places for Notre Dame, but it was clinched with that pass rush from, from Bellamy against Mike McGlinchey. Uh, his partner in crime, their left guard, uh, Quentin Nelson. <laughs> Man, this is a top 10 football player in this draft class. I know some people are going to hear that and they're going to scoff, but I'm telling you, listen to me right now. Quinton Nelson, Notre Dame offensive guard, is one of the top 10 football players. Not saying he's a top 10 pick, because the valuation of the guard position is much more than many other positions. Quinton Nelson is a top 10 football player in this upcoming draft class. He is a senior. He will be in it. Uh, Just outstanding. All across the board. Feet. Anchor ability, generating power and movement at the point of attack. Uh, pass protection, there was a play which he picked up a late-showing blitzer in the opposite side B-gap as an un, unoccupied pass blocker. Uh, just diving attempt and, and picks a guy off and keeps his quarterback clean, Brandon Wimbush. So uh, he had a great game. He, he really had a great game. Um I think he's the best player on the field. It was good to see the the Georgia running game. Uh, With a freshman quarterback, they really embraced putting the load on their backs, even a lot of their passes, uh, pass schemes, short, intermediate, in the flat, letting skill makers make plays with the balls. Uh, Chubb and Michelle, both those guys are seniors. Uh, They ran well. Uh, Michelle got dinged up at one point, had to come out of the game. Uh, That's the big worry for him. I think naturally his skills are are excellent, but can you trust him to stay clean, stay healthy? Uh, Obviously, anytime you see him kind of limp off the field and and get looked at, and he's sitting on the medical table, uh, it worries you uh, because he's a guy that is so physically gifted. Even if he's like, quote-unquote, 100% healthy right now, what does his long-term projection look like? How how many of these minor injuries before they add up and take their toll and, and it really breaks down his body? So that's something to watch. Um, Chubb, on the other hand, I still think he's still kind of working back from that uh, injury that he suffered in 2015. He played all year last year. Uh, he looks a little quicker this year. He's got great vision, um, but still... well opportunities out in space that I'm seeing him get caught that I don't think he would have got caught before the injury. So uh, His ability to square you up is excellent. He can get chunk gains, uh, but I don't think his long speed is necessarily at least where you'd ideally like it if you're going to call this a generational player. But he's still a very, very good football player. This is uh, somebody that would be uh, very worthy of consideration as a top 50 draft selection. One of the games that I did, I did a 5 o'clock kick of Oregon-Nebraska. And um, Nebraska made a push late to make this a football game. I believe it was 42-14 at one point, And Nebraska reeled off 21 straight uh, Oregon really worked to try and give this game away. Uh, Nebraska didn't have a lot in the way of draft talent. Uh, Tanner Lee's got some some push lately. Uh, he had a strong showing to start the year, but uh, watching them in this game uh, didn't really like the decision-making. You know, He's got nice touch, but uh, some inexplicable decisions with the football, just really out of sorts. Uh, forcing throws, trying to force things to happen, and uh, that's got me a little gun-shy on Tanner Lee, who's a redshirt junior. I believe he's a transfer, so uh, I'm not buying on that. If you guys start hearing the name Tanner Lee get thrown around, come back to this game and watch this game because I think it was really eye-opening on some issues that are present with Lee and where he's at as a passer. I did think uh, they had a nice player in... uh, uh, DeMorne Pearson L., a wide receiver there for Nebraska. 50 uh, 50 throw in an end zone fade. Uh, good concentration. Uh, did a nice job when he was given some space to work. You know, it's a theme that you're going to hear me talk about a little later with a North Carolina wide receiver. But when he was given space, you know, when they were off and he's given a clean break, uh, he accelerated through the catch very well. It's a good trait to have. But it always makes me want to go back and look for, okay, now, how are you playing contested? Are you playing just as fast? Are you able to generate misses at the line of scrimmage uh, without being given such a clean release? I thought the best player in this football game was probably uh, Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert. He's a sophomore. Uh, this guy looks like the real deal. Now, If you would have told me there's a draft prospect in Nebraska, Oregon, take a look. I would have, I would have came back and told you ten times out of ten that it was Justin Herbert. Eyes, very active with the eyes, moving around the field. You can see him moving through his progressions, through with accuracy. Very comfortable throwing from the pocket. He's athletic, can throw on the move. Something to watch. Uh, another underclassman. This is somebody that caught my attention as another wide receiver for Nebraska, and that's Stanley Morgan Jr. Uh, Pearson Elm kind of showed up early in the game. I thought Morgan showed better down the stretch. He's a junior, uh, physical at the catch point, catching away from his body. He has those hands that, that very comfortably go up and pluck the football, no problem. Now, addressing the ball assertively to make sure you're not letting it get into you where a defender can really optimize his chances to knock it down. Um, so Nebraska, two guys on the boundary. Uh, Tanner Lee, the quarterback, didn't really do it for me. The other star in this game, uh, Royce Freeman, running back for Oregon. He's one of the leading rushers, uh, active rushers in college football right now. Uh, you could tell he's got a little bit of juice back. You know, He was banged up a lot last year and really struggled with staying healthy and production. And uh, He runs well. I'm still worried about... Freeman's ability to process at the line of scrimmage and find holes so much of what he's done with big explosive plays have come from these jet sweeps and runs that have generated a large amount of space from the tackle to anybody else set up on the boundary and uh, doesn't he doesn't have to think when he hits his big plays it's get the ball stretch a little bit make a cut and get north-south, and then challenge guys because I'm 235, 240 pounds, and these guys, I outweigh them by 30, 40 pounds. Uh, so I'm just a little gun-shy because I, I, I did a full assessment on Freeman last year. I jumped the gun and assumed that this was a player that was going to be coming out for the NFL draft. And he made the decision to come back, and uh, this is going to be a good opportunity for him to showcase a little more in the way of vision But having done the full assessment, I know him pretty substantially as a player. Having scouted in in November, uh, I scouted six games for him and actually wrote up the full report. Now, I put the report on the back burner, uh, but I still have the report, and I kind of checked it before the game. And I have some of the same concerns coming out of this game than what I did last year, where... Big plays are a byproduct of spacing and quick decision-making, but he doesn't have to read. Like, you watch Chubb kind of press up into the line of scrimmage before he bubbles or makes, like, a, a jump cut. I don't see a lot of that with Freeman. It's all like, get the ball and go. And that that can be okay, but that makes for a lot more hit or miss in the way of uh, the results that you're going to be getting from uh, your runs, the last game that I want to talk about is the other one that I did. I think we'll save some time for Joe to talk about his experience at Edgeville for Indiana and their victory over Virginia on Saturday. Joe was there for that game. The other game that I did for NDT Scouting was Louisville's 47 35 victory over North Carolina. And uh, I could tell you for NDT's top 15. National Poll, We've, we vote. Every team member votes on the top 15 players in the country. And I had Louisville as a top 8 team. Louisville won this week, and Louisville is no longer a top 8 team. Uh, Lamar Jackson is amazing. He is the best college football player I have ever seen in person. Uh, I got the chance to see Jackson play last year in Louisville. They played Kentucky Rivalry weekend uh, a couple days after Thanksgiving. Um, Jackson is an amazing athlete. He is an amazing passer. He has come so far in four months as far as being a passer and, and operating within the structure of an offense. And you know, if you're still saying, oh, Lamar's going to play running back at the next level, just cut it, man. Like, that jig is up. It is, it is way over after seeing what Jackson's been able to do with his progressions, adding weight, still maintaining that explosive athleticism to extend plays. His deep pass down the field. He had a long 70-plus uh, yard touchdown throw to Jalen Smith in which he had to step up, slide in the pocket forward to climb the ladder, avoid a free runner off the edge. From a dead sprint, collect his feet, set his base and throw. Flick of the wrist, 50 plus yards in the air, hitting a guy in stride. Uh another middle of the field dime from Jackson. It's eye-opening. It, it's really eye-opening and it's you can't ignore it. You can no longer gloss this over and say Jackson's just an athlete playing the position. Uh, he's hitting his back foot and the ball's coming out. You're seeing improvements with the mechanics. Uh I'm telling you right now, guys, get used to me talking about Lamar Jackson on the draft dude show because I, <laughs> uh i I'm quickly quickly going goo goo gaga for Lamar Jackson as a prospect and uh the one area that you want to see him improve is deeper throws outside the numbers he struggled there again with some accuracy issues um But it's not that he's no longer seeing and making bad decisions. It's just at times that delivery gets a little complacent and those longer throws are the ones that are going to suffer. But when he can see a throw down the middle of the field, in between the hashes, even if it's a vertical shot and, and he drives cleanly on that throw, if he wants to hammer that throw and put it on a line, it's game over, man. Like, like, You can be two yards away from where he wants to put it, but he's got so much strength and velocity and zip and anticipation with where he's putting it, you're not going to touch the ball. It's awesome. It's amazing. But Lamar Jackson's not the reason why Louisville is no longer my top eight in the NDT 15 national poll. Uh defense. We gotta talk about this Cardinals defense. They were missing Jair Alexander, so I think that is fair to mention. Uh Alexander's a junior corner. Uh was banged up last week against Purdue, missed this, and they missed him. Run support to the boundary was an issue for uh the Louisville Cardinal defense. Uh the only other really notable player uh that they had was Chucky Williams, a safety, a redshirt senior safety. He was invisible the entire game. So the pass rush for the Cardinals, they need to find some fast because they are playing Clemson next week, and if they're unable to challenge uh, the Clemson pass rusher, Kelly Bryant, in the way that they were unable to challenge Brandon Harris in the second half of this football game, they're going to get eaten alive. Uh, They really had a hard time getting guys that could corner on the outside, force the quarterback off his spot. And as a result, senior wide receiver Austin Prohl went up over 100 yards, was just consistently tearing up the secondary shredding guys. And I made a comment during the game. You can't play Austin Prohl 10 yards off and expect him to not make the catch. He... um, He's too quick, he's too good of a route technician Uh, He's too crisp At the top of his route stems He can break in, he can break out He can break back to the line of scrimmage The only thing you're going to accomplish By playing him 10 yards off Is he's not getting vertical over you Because he's not a burner But you're giving up everything in front of your face And he will take it every single time He's got great hands, was really impressed. A couple times he was forced to come back for a throw. Uh, Harris kind of hung him out to dry, put the ball in an awkward spot. And Pearl caught it, I think, almost every time. He had a great showing, uh, which is more than you could say uh, for two other Tar Heels defenders. Uh, one of those is MJ Stewart, the nickel corner. I know uh, National Scout Jonah Tolls really likes him. And I've liked what I've seen from Stewart, but this was not a great game. Uh, from him, he uh, specifically that deep touchdown pass I talked about, Stewart tried to get handsy and reroute uh, Jalen Smith on his route stem, and he simply whiffed, and his feet got stuck in the mud, and he got ran by, and he had safety help, but the ball was too well thrown. Uh, just kind of an ugly rep all around uh, for Stewart, and that one kind of stuck out as a sore thumb, uh, but he was kind of what to North Carolina, what Louisville was missing on the other side in, in the run defense to the boundary. Uh, Stewart, nickel, sees the t- tight end block down. He steps up right away, makes a physical form tackle. So it was kind of give and take. It's, you know he's as a nickel defender. You know he's going to be a physical, physical guy and a pretty solid tackler. And you saw that. Uh, but that deeper route kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. And then the other one is uh, Junior middle linebacker Andre Smith, this is the knucklehead that came out and said, you know, Lamar Jackson's not going to run on us, he's not going to pass on us, and uh, it's not going to be the Lamar Jackson show, we're going to shut him down, blah, 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 blah. Like, cool. Like, I understand you're playing the guys on the other side of the field. You can't you can't puff them up too much. you got to have confidence in your unit. Uh, but come on, man. <laughs> Lamar threw at Smith uh, the entire game. Really, he, he he targeted him in the middle of the field. It's an area where Lamar has always been good as a passer, and Smith is just a little lethargic, trying to get lateral. Uh, not a lot of good anticipation to feel routes coming behind him in his vicinity. Uh, the first one of the, the early touchdowns that Lamar threw down inside the uh, the red area was the tight end coming across the formation directly behind Smith and sitting down right behind him. Smith didn't flow with him at all. He didn't move. He was kind of just caught out in space. Uh, the crossers, just th- third and eight, run a crosser. Uh, it, it, they're wide open. Smith can't hang with him. He's, he's able to catch up to him once they work into the boundary, and he, he cleans up the play, but it's too little too late. Uh, so Smith, I know he's a big tackle guy for North Carolina. He finished with over 100 tackles last year. I know he's productive in the stat sheet, but uh, got to put a red mark on that one. Uh, if nothing else you just made Lamar angry. So uh shame on you, Andre Smith. That is going to do it for us today here on the Draft Dudes podcast. I'd like to thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, you know, we'll be like I said, we'll be back on Wednesday with Joe. Joe will uh be breaking down his scouting trip. I will be telling you guys some of my plans for my scouting trip this weekend. Joe's done two straight I'm jealous. I gotta have an answer. so I'm flying to Memphis on Friday night and I am watching the Memphis Tigers take on uh, Josh Rosen and the UCLA Bruins in person this weekend. So I'm excited about that. We'll talk about that a little bit on the show on Wednesday, a little bit more on Friday show. Uh, we'll also kind of set the table. Uh, for week three of college football on Friday. There's plenty to look forward to, so make sure you hit subscribe, follow along with us for the entire journey. Uh, Hard to believe, man. We're two weeks into this thing. Uh, My playoff prediction teams are still undefeated, so I'm feeling good about that. I went 3-1 against the spread with two underdogs outright in week two of college football. Good weekend for the brand. Make sure you guys let me know how your brand is looking on social media. You can reach me on Twitter, at Scouting. You can reach us, me and Joe, the rest of the gang on Facebook, facebook.com slash Scouting. You can reach Joe on Twitter. Give him a hard time for not being here for, for Monday's show. He is at the Joe Marino. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast.
0: Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV.